0: Hello, everybody. How's it going? This is Big Game Boomer here. Uh, this is episode number fourteen. Uh, I've got a great guest today. Uh, I'm sure you know him if you're watching this show. Um, you know, one, probably one of the best podcast shows out there for college football. Uh, so it's Josh Pate uh, from Twenty Four Seven Sports, host of the Late Kick. Let's uh, let's bring him in. <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing?
1: I am. I'm good. Well, I'm a bad person, you know, because I don't know if the audience knows, but (laughs) you know, and I know we were supposed to start this 10 minutes ago as I look at my imaginary watch. And even on a Friday, I found a way to be running behind. So, so (laughs) game on me. There we go. Punishment out of the way. Let's talk some college football.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And also, I I love uh, how you're leading kind of the the parade with uh, the no fall weddings. Uh, I'm a big advocate against them. So. Um, keep, keep, keep preaching that. Cause I, I don't, I don't want to go to a wedding in the fall for sure. <laughs> I did a hit this morning, actually,
1: uh, no more than 10 <laughs> minutes ago where, you know, the, the host was leading into this and I felt it coming. You always feel the fall wedding question coming. Yeah. And, and you know, he masked it a couple of times, but finally he laid it on me. He said, I myself am in a fall wedding, but my wife has agreed to shift to Sunday because of, uh, what she feels is a focused pressure campaign against Saturday weddings and she's right. There absolutely is a focused pressure campaign uh, being led in part by me against Saturday <laughs> weddings in the fall. I view it as the best way that I can serve my country. And yeah. I feel like we're doing a service to the country by doing this.
0: No, I feel you. Yeah. If my brother sent me a message, to say, hey, I'm getting married on October 25th on Saturday, I'd say, hey, you're an idiot. And then B, I'm not coming unless it's on Sunday or Friday.
1: <laughs> I think the Friday so. wedding, I've never
0: been to a Friday wedding
1: in the fall. But lately, a lot of people have told me stories about Friday weddings in the fall. And it sounds great uh, because people are more than willing to burn a vacation day if it means they get their Saturday back. Yeah. And everybody's happy. Like You still get your entire weekend ahead of you. So you don't feel like you you wasted a weekend attending a wedding. Marriage is not a waste. The wedding is the waste. Yeah. on Saturday, and yeah. it's just it's a win-win-win across the
0: board. Everybody wins. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. All right, so let's let's talk some football here. So I posted about I don't know a month, a month and a half ago. I did like a college football tiers uh, list on Twitter, and I predicted. I had my playoff pick. I had um, Alabama. And one at one, Ohio State at two, which, I mean, I think everyone's got them in the college football playoff this year. And then, so I've got Utah at three and then NC State at four. Am I crazy, Josh? No crazier
1: than if you would have predicted Michigan and Cincinnati last year, especially Michigan. Think about how crazy that would have sounded last year. I picked Iowa State to make the playoff last year. I don't care. I don't care if it sounds crazy because I don't know that we look back on the way college football seasons play out and see a single one that looks anything like what a preview magazine said. And yet anytime you differentiate or you veer off of what the the consensus opinion is in June or July or whatever, people laugh at it and scoff at it. And it's like, look at history. How could you have ever nailed it at the finish line and not sounded crazy in the preseason? So, I mean, if you're going to take a swing, I'll say this, there are a lot crazier teams to take a swing with than nc state i mean nc state especially if clemson does not write the ship offensively the acc is wide open i was looking because we had to do a segment on the show last night i was looking at clemson last year and they i I thought they lost two games they lost three games but the games they won georgia tech and louisville and boston college and syracuse those were one possession games. yeah they They beat fsu by 10 so there were a lot of other games they didn't lose that they were right there with my point is if the ACC looks like that. If the ACC is just one of these bounce of ball, one possession conferences this year, why would you not go with the sturdy offensive line, the returning possible Heisman caliber quarterback and rock solid defense? Why would you, that's, why would that be crazy?
0: Yeah, that's my point. That's why I like them because when you look at the ACC, partic- particularly the Atlantic division, you've got, so you've got NC state who I think is the most balanced team of any team in that conference You've got Wake Forest, great offense with Hartman um, and A.T. Perry. They don't have a defense. Um, and then you've got Clemson, who I think probably has one of the best defenses, defensive lines in the country. But we don't know about their quarterback play. Like you said, all their wins last year were ugly. So that's why I, I like NC State. I mean, if they go 11-1, and one, I think they've got a great shot to make the playoff.
1: I think that if you were to do that now – so this is all hypothetical land. But walk yourself yeah. through. Let's Let's put ourselves in December – Selection Sunday, boom, there's NC State on the graphic. They're a three seed, they're a four seed. Think about what that does to the perception that the playoff is this closed club and it's exclusive and even though Cincinnati proved this wrong last year, if you're not one of the traditional blue bloods, you can't get in. And yet there's NC State. They make it before Texas, maybe. They make it before USC. They make it before a lot of programs that are bigger in historical stature than them. I love when that stuff happens. I loved yeah. when, since he made it last year, because it just, it, it bats down this argument like a pinata that even if you try your hardest, there are forces out there working against you. And the bottom line is a lot of the forces working against some of these programs like USC or Texas, Tennessee, who haven't made it yet are internal. It's not external. It's it, your, your problems have been internal.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it'd be. I think it'd be great to see just some different schools in the playoff. Because I, I, I mean, I think we both think Alabama and Ohio State are shoe ins uh, for the playoff, Um, but yeah, the the last two, you know, the three and four spot, I I think it's wide open this year. Um, so so let's talk about Clemson. Um, you know, interesting year. Last year they go ten and three. They just don't have an offense. Um, They lose Brent Venables to OU, Tony Elliott to to uh, Virginia. How are you feeling about the Tigers this year? Do you think this is kind of a a make or break season for Dabo um, with, with just all the changes that are going on right now in college football? It's
1: not make or break in terms of job security or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's I, not losing his job.
1: I think if you, so so there's there to me, there are two kinds of pressure in college football. There's there's job security pressure. And then there's just what I call competitive pressure. And Jimbo, for example, is under competitive pressure. Kirby last year was under competitive pressure. They're not going to lose their job, but, yet they have something to prove yeah well Dabo's even more unique than either of them because he's won two national championships in a program that he built he didn't inherit the ready-made Clemson program so so he had to totally tear the car down and rebuild it and he did that so he deserves all the credit for that and those coordinators stayed around so long because of what he built that's all yeah. part of it. you can't you can't fault him when they leave but not credit him when they're there well anyway, there were a lot of people and I'm including myself here that thought the program had gotten a little stale last year. Certainly, I went and watched them against Georgia and I was on the field watching them warm up. Every receiver they had looked the same. They they all look like pro wrestlers. They're all like 6'3, 215, but <laughs> none of them can take the top off the defense. So they just had a bunch of the same at receiver. I don't know that that changes a whole lot this year. Uh, I don't I don't know that just not playing football for six months is enough to magically retool DJ Uyangalele and make him more poised and accurate. And if we don't see that to the point we were just making a second ago, and they again miss out on the ACC championship game at that point, it is fair to say, all right, we're now in an era where Debo lost two of the coordinators that were integral parts of him making this run. He did not go outside for the new hires. He promoted from within Even though the program felt stale, and you know, it was my personal opinion that maybe some fresh blood and fresh ideas were needed, he didn't think that. So his philosophy, he executed, and it turns out that that philosophy did not yield positive returns. Also, he's got his stance on the portal. He's got his stance on NIL. Mm -hmm. All of that will be under, I think, a very fine microscope regardless. But if they don't make the ACC championship game, the difference is... Some of the criticism of Dabo Swinney would start to be heard internally inside the Clemson fan base instead of just outside, because it doesn't really matter what outsiders say. But if they start to feel it inside, that's a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's my problem with Dabo is like, so Nick Saban's the greatest coach in the game because of his ability to adapt to college football and just the changes of the game. I mean, he he was totally against the spread offense. You know, wanted was crying to the officials and everyone saying hey let's let's you know we got to slow this down for player safety but then he goes out and you know says fine i'm going to get better coordinators guys that can run that spread offense and we're going to beat you doing it and then he's adapting the transfer portal and he's adapting to nil i just feel like Dabo's hesitance to to make these changes it, it, it's going to cost clemson in the long run um, i really do I'll i'll tell you the difference here and there is a big difference
1: when Saban resisted the tempo-based RPO offenses, that's just not the way he preferred the game to be played. He was not morally or ethically opposed to it. It was just principle. He didn't think that that's the way he wanted football to look. But he knew all the while, I could do what they're doing better than they are. I just don't want to. But but, but he knew in the back of his mind, if this doesn't change, I'm just going to do it that way and I'm going to beat him. With Dabo... I really feel like there, there's like an ethical side of him. There is a, there is a values and principle side of him <laughs> yeah, that is opposed. Right. Like at a yeah. cellular level, he's opposed to some of the directions that these new changes are taking the sport, and that's why Saban's, it, it, Saban, it was, it was as easy as him just waking up one morning and deciding, all right, I'm making the change. Dabo's not going to have that morning, I don't think. Now, he may dip his toe a little bit more in. I I don't think we're going to continue to live in an era where they never use the portal. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think that they will be more reluctant and he will be more reluctant. As he has said, he just doesn't believe in building his program that way. And you are putting yourself voluntarily at a competitive disadvantage relative to the teams you play. And you're not always going to live in a world where it's Clemson and then three or four gaps and then the rest of the conference. And so when that starts to cost you, that's really when the crossroads are met.
0: Yeah. No, I mean this this year is going to be really interesting to see how 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 it pans out for Clemson. So let's shift let's shift to the SEC West here. So this is something I kind of wanted to do. If you had to rank it today, if the season started tomorrow, who who what would you have the SEC West finishing what how would you rank them I'm gonna I'm gonna do it so Alabama I've got number one who, who do you have at one I would Alabama. have Alabama yeah. okay two who do you have
1: uh I want to say I have AM power rated number two in the west right now
0: okay see I've got Arkansas I I really like Sam Pittman and uh KJ Jefferson that defense okay uh three I believe we have so Ole Miss and Arkansas
1: they are they are percentage points two and or three and four. Um if I had to pick I'll pick Arkansas three, Ole Miss four, but those and I'm just talking power rating. Yeah. So so I'm talking about where I'm gonna start them this in the season. So it's Bama, it's AM, and then it's Arkansas
0: Ole Miss interchangeable. Okay. Yeah, see see, you know, one team that's not getting enough talk in the SEC West is I think Mississippi State. Um, you know, they've got a veteran team coming back with Will Rogers at quarterback and Mike Leach's best teams uh have you know have done the best at, at tech or at Washington state. So I, I think that's a team to kind of watch out for. And with Ole Miss, it's like, God, the whole roster is like completely new. Um, are all those players, how are they going to gel together? It's it's going to be interesting. Um, well, I,
1: I thought that about Ole Miss last year. Yeah. You know, I, I watched them last. Year. I thought how in the world are they going to put a, a competent product on the field defensively? And they improve steadily throughout the year. And I've watched, I've watched Lane Kiffin enough with quarterbacks to know that there are some guys that deserve benefit of the doubt in certain aspects and Lane Kiffin and quarterbacks being one of them. And even if Jackson Dart doesn't pan out for them, it may not be that the guy's just terrible. It may be that Luke Altmaier put forth a stiff enough competition where he just won the job. So yeah. I, I don't expect them to be a finished product out of the gate. What I am saying is if you look at talent acquisition, if you look at overall just raw talent level on a roster – Ole Miss at their A minus level. I never expect A plus from teams, but a B plus A minus level of consistency from Ole Miss, it, it has them as a top ten team in the country because that's what they're capable of. If if all of that pans out and they don't have devastating injury, etc. So, um, I would have Mississippi State in the six or seven spot. Actually, I'd have them behind okay. LSU even.
0: Okay, well, where do you got Auburn? <sighs>
1: I have no clue. Uh, I. <laughs> It's, I, I've got Auburn six, so I think we have Mississippi State seven. I've got Auburn six, LSU five. Man, even the people closest to the Auburn program, look, it just got dark in here. Even the people close to the Auburn program, they they don't know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll put forth a confident face when they're, when they're, you know, facing the public, but they don't know what to expect. So how in the world should I know? I'm going to put them yeah. sixth until further notice.
0: Yeah, it could be one of those years, like, where they, you know, they go out and win the national championship because no one, everyone's counting them out. I mean, they've got some talent on defense, but just in the trenches, they're they just don't have it. Um, and well, how do well, how do they score? How do they? how do
1: they score? You know, if you're holding teams to seven, that's a team that that could have it like a seventeen point per game defense and lose four games. You could you could turn on Auburn games and see like nineteen to 13, 17 to fourteen. Those are the kind of games you could see this year because you talk about Auburn offense and it just starts and ends with Tank Bigsby. Yeah. So what am I gonna do? Am I gonna run the guy 30 times a game? It's not, I don't even think that's a responsible way if you're not named Derrick Henry to handle college running backs, period. No so get, I don't know out. how they score. I don't I have no clue what the answer is at quarterback there. They don't either.
0: I have no yeah. clue. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh we'll see for sure. I, I'm not I'm not feeling good about this year for the Tigers, though. All right, so let's shift, let's go up north. Um, one of my favorite coaches, uh teams that I think is hot right now, Michigan State. I love what Mel Tucker is doing up there. I think they have a chance to be the next Clemson uh, potentially um, kind of a team that just kind of comes out of nowhere and starts winning big. How are you feeling about the way that he's kind of recruiting right now? Cause like D'Antonio, when he was there, he was, he kind of got his talent out of Ohio. But if you look at like Michigan state's recruiting, Tucker is going all over the country. He's going down to Georgia, Florida, Texas. I mean, they just picked up two guys from Texas and Florida, two top 300 guys. Is that sustainable for a school like Michigan State?
1: Yes, it is. The hardest part for them was going to be to start that role. Yeah. Now that they've got it rolled in a little bit, it'll be very infectious. I expected this. Um, it's outside the norm. In fact, it's never really happened at Michigan State. But when Mel Tucker came in there, he was adamant. We are going to recruit nationally. He was so in tune and in touch with what the Michigan State job required. If they wanted to be a contender every year, you know, if you want to get if you want to flirt with the Gator Bowl every two or three years, you can recruit regionally there. You'll be fine. use yeah. a hard-nosed product, just like D'Antonio had. But if you want to go further, if you want to roll into Columbus, Ohio and have a shot to beat them, if you want to be in that Big Ten championship conversation, in that playoff conversation in November you got to recruit nationally and i think that all it takes and this is a loaded sentence all it takes is doing what's never been done before you know if you want to if you want to have history then you've got to be the one that makes the history and at michigan state they're doing things right now i can tell you in the recruiting industry that continues every day to make people go wow what whoa it's just you yeah. get that every day and it's because no one's ever believed you could take that spartan logo and sell it to kids in Florida or Texas or wherever the case may be. And they're they're right to think that because in the past it hasn't happened. That's just because the right guy hasn't come in there to sell it. I think they've got the right guy in there now. And the thing about that energy is it, it permeates. Like sometimes you feel it locally well before they feel it regionally or nationally. And now a lot of people are feeling that nationally. And a lot of people are getting beat for recruits that they don't think Michigan State has any business beating them for. And I went up there last year for the Michigan game. And they won that game. They came oh, from nuts. behind. Smash. It was great. It was, it was yeah. wonderful. But I didn't take away from that, ooh, Michigan State won a big game. I took away from that, wow, the program has this insane energy around it that I don't think the country is aware of. Just because it was so new. Yeah. And sure, they, they saw it a little bit on TV that day. But man, if you could if if everyone listening and watching could just go spend a couple of days around East Lansing like we were able to do because we get to be on the road with the programs a little bit it it's so obvious how different that place feels when you're there a couple of days
0: yeah no it's it's crazy i mean and i can see just on twitter the excitement from that fan base i mean you see all these tuck coming tuck coming all these different hashtags yeah. and stuff for him Um, yeah, I think he's, yeah, I'm a big fan of what Tucker's doing. They just got to get that secondary, uh, cleaned up because they're passing, uh, their secondary and pass defense was just atrocious last year, but, uh, I I like what he's doing. Um, you know, another school in the big 10 that that's interesting to me is Iowa. Um, they win the big 10 West, but then they get spanked by Michigan in the, in the big 10 championship and then lose their bowl game to Kentucky. So you kind of leave the season, um, you know, with a sour taste in your mouth and they had one of the worst offenses in the country and they really did not make any changes. Um, uh, which kind of shocked me. What are your thoughts on Iowa? Just as a whole,
1: I think that they're where they want to be. You know, if, of course, if you were to ask, Kirk Ferentz or you were to ask anyone around the Iowa program, hey, would you like to win a national championship? Of course, they'd say yes. But really, if you ask them, be real now. Do you think you're capable of acquiring the talent it takes and really operating at that level? They'd probably, if they were truthful with you, say, it's unlikely. But then again, we are Iowa. We are not Ohio State or Alabama, so the expectation is properly calibrated around here. And I think that's right. It's kind of like Kentucky football. No one at Kentucky expects to win a championship. That's why they're very happy. They're not content, but they're happy with where they are. And Iowa fans have learned to be happy and learned to understand this is a very tiered sport. The San Diego Chargers and the New York Jets theoretically operate on the same plane. Yeah. Iowa football and Alabama football do not operate on the same plane, even though you're told they play the same sport. And having said all that, I say... You, we we are talking now about the two different approaches, because because Iowa and Michigan State, really, over the past decade, you've seen comparable results, really. Um, it, certainly in terms of the peak achievement level, you would think about those programs similarly. And yet, at Michigan State, they've decided that's not enough. At yeah. Iowa, I, I can only go on what it feels like. At Iowa, they have decided that is enough. And look, if the folks there are happy with that. I'm not going to sit here in Nashville and tell them they're wrong, uh, but I'm also <laughs> going to admire what they're doing in East Lansing for, for, you know, going about their business, the way they're going about it.
0: Yeah, no. Well, the, my thing with Iowa, like if you look at their offense, it was so bad, like they were 99th in total scoring, 109th in passing yards, 102nd in rushing yards that those numbers get most coordinators fired sure. at, at power five schools. So it's just, it's interesting to me to see them not make really any changes Uh, at offense to try and make it you know improve
1: well well you know what the pushback would be there the pushback would be if our goal is to win instead of put up offensive numbers then we are going to run our football program and we're going to operate on game day in a manner that we think gives us the best chance to win so it could be that if we had Kurt Ferentz if he called in three-way here he would say yeah, you're right about all these numbers. But you know what we realized long before you two did? We realized we were not going to acquire a bunch of Amari Coopers, <laughs> and we were, we were not going to go get you know a bunch of um, all-world running backs. So we, we knew ahead of time we were never going to put up impressive offensive numbers. So our game plan calls for a truly three-pronged complementary approach. We're going to get enough out of special teams, and we're going to get enough out of defense to where we can afford to look like that on a stat sheet but still win the game. As long as we're winning the game, we don't care what the score is and we don't care where our, our offensive production numbers are. That's what his retort would be. And he's right. They're a very, very solid. They're very good program. You just said they played for a conference championship last year. So that's very good. I mean, it's not, I know we tend to sometimes fall in the trap of measuring every team against the elite of the elite. And it's not always fair, because Iowa football is not capable long term of what Georgia did last year, uh, sure. but but if we measure them on the right scale, they're very good. Uh, there's there's nothing wrong with what I was doing.
0: Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Um, all right, just got a couple questions from some fans that ha- have asked some questions here. So um, let's see. This is from Jay Anderson. He wants. He's a Kansas fan. He wants to know: Will Lance Leipold lead the Jayhawks to five plus wins this season? Oh
1: man. Okay. Yeah. So believe it or not. <laughs> I sat there and I watched the Kansas spring game. And um, I, cause I, cause I had one of our viewers say, Hey, you need to go watch the spring game, man. I think we're going to a bowl. And I said, well, that's lofty. Uh, (laughs) So I went and watched the spring game. And I, I, I know a guy around the program, um, not, not like a player or coach, but around the program who, who has been excited ever since Lance got there, they've been excited about it. They feel like they've got the right guy. And I don't doubt they do now. I mean, the guy's proven himself already. But yeah, there is, there is such a challenge in front of you if you are Kansas football to flirt with bowl eligibility. Because I think their over-under win total opened at one and a half, went up to two and a half. Think about what I said now. It went up to two and a half. So yeah. you can still lose three-quarters of your games and hit the over, but that's better than what the other total was. here's the thing you have to do. Eventually it comes down to simple mathematics. When you look at their schedule, finding two or three wins is possible. When you find five or six, though, you're asking for some big upsets. And I know that you could throw the Texas game in my face, but think about how hard that was. And then think about finding another two or three of those. It's just, it's at Kansas, it's not an overnight thing. So even if Lance is the right guy, even if they are trending in the right direction, Five wins, I would celebrate it with you, brother. If it happened, it's hard to see it happen this year.
0: Yeah, no, it's I, I, yeah, I, that's going to be tough. I mean, they, you know, they took OU to the wire. They beat sure. uh, they beat Texas, and then like they the, they finished the season strong. They only lost to like TCU by three, West Virginia by six. So that just makes the
1: conference take you seriously now. That's yeah, all so, that does.
0: Yeah, so I, I I really like the way that uh, Leipold's leading them uh, for sure. They're not going to be an easy out. Um, like they used to be with less miles there. All right, next question. Uh, This is from Matt K from uh, a Nebraska question. What does Nebraska need to do in order to regain its respect nationally? Win games?
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's really really that easy, win (laughs) games. Here's the other thing you got going against you if you're in Nebraska. I, I don't know if people have realized this, but when people predict things about you, and then you don't validate their prediction, they don't get mad at themselves. They get mad at you for making them look stupid. So right now, not only is Nebraska not winning enough, but all these folks out there who predicted Scott Frost was going to be this puzzle piece, perfect fit in Lincoln, yeah. and it hasn't worked out, you've made all them look dumb too. So they're holding that against you. So not only, not only are they not talking positively about Nebraska, they're actively looking for ways to talk negatively about you.
0: Yeah, I mean they're 15 Scott Frost is 15 and 29 there. And it's like when you watch Nebraska, it's just the ta- I think the talents there, it's just there's so many self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, the path to win they, is there. They, yeah. I mean, they should have beat OU last year. Um, it's just it's undisciplined and just making these boneheaded plays in the most crucial parts of the game. Um, so I just I, I'd love to see them be good again, but you know, they gotta clean that stuff up first. All right. I know you're busy. So last question. I've got a bunch of Texas Tech followers. They are. They are. They love Joey McGuire. So they want to know how is Joey McGuire going to fare at Texas Tech this year? Can we expect six and six again?
1: I think that's top end doable, probably more towards the best case. I, but I think that's top end doable.
0: I know they've got a road
1: game against NC state. They, yeah. They
0: play NC state and Houston this yep. year for their non-conference. I mean, that, those are two that's brutal, which is probably why I would go under
1: that number. Uh, yeah. But again, it's all, you aren't what your schedule, you aren't what your record says you are all the time in this sport. Cause schedule, if I did nothing more with Texas tech, than replace those games with two FCS games. At the end of the day, if you're, if you're six and six, people just look at it and say, Oh, they're a bowl team. Well, the, the same team against a tougher schedule wouldn't have been. Anyway, that's a, that's a soapbox. So my point is, they yeah, they could float around there. I think they'll probably be a little bit under that. But what you're looking for is you're looking for solid effort, even if they're in losses, and you're looking for how high can they maintain that recruiting ranking? Because right yeah. now it looks like a typo. i in at. the country right yeah. now. <laughs> so, I mean, what if they finished t- just top 15? Like, what if they were to do that? Go back and look at the history of Texas Tech recruiting and how rarely that's happened. And if that ends up panning out, if they're top 20, top 15, that's when you know you'll have the right guy, regardless of what the record is this year.
0: Yeah, no, McGuire, I mean, he's he's very well connected in the high school, Texas high school uh, network. You know, he knows a lot of those guys and is well connected. So it seems like he's doing all the right things down there, but it, it's a tough job. It's tough to win there. Um, so we'll see. I'd love to see him on there. Josh, I know you're busy, man. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of your show. Uh, I listened to it all the time. So I appreciate you for coming on. Um, you know, keep doing your thing, man. You're just blowing up.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. We're, we're, getting done just in time for this line of thunderstorms to roll in. (laughs) I barely have any natural light in here anymore.
0: (laughs) That's all right, man. It's like, I'd rather have some storms. It's like a hundred degrees out here in Oklahoma. It's just crazy. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. I'm not complaining. All right, man. Well, Hey, take it easy. Have a good weekend. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks, Josh. All right. That's Josh Pate. Awesome guy. One of the most knowledgeable guys I think in college football, uh, right now. So yeah, go check out his show. Uh, it's one of the best, uh, late kick, uh, every, I think he does it every Monday or Sunday, Monday and Wednesday, I think, but great show. Um, I also want to give a shout out here to uh, a, a company that gave me an awesome shirt here. Check it out. Lower my screen. It's called only so many Saturdays count. Um, it, it, go check these guys out um, saturdayscount.com uh, it's a cool cool shirt they've got them in all different colors uh for schools and i like it because to me this really re- resembles what i believe because there are so only so many s- saturdays like there's 15 saturdays this fall with college football that's all we have so you have to make every single one count because if you're watching this show you probably love college football and you don't want to miss out on anything on any given Saturday in the fall. So go check these guys out. Saturdayscount, count, saturdayscount.com. And, uh, you know, get yourself a cool shirt because uh, I, I like what they're doing there. Um, for some program details. So uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to have a couple episodes next week. I know Cole Kublik is going to be on the show uh, next Tuesday. Um, so we will. Uh, we will see you guys next Tuesday. I'm going to go watch some college baseball right now. Hopefully my Sooners beat the heck out of the Texas A&M Aggies. Y'all have a good weekend.